Thanks for listening to the New Stanton Church podcast. Check out our website at newstantonchurch.com where you can find out how to join our live stream at 901 on Sunday mornings. Now let's prepare our hearts for the word that we're about to receive. God, as we turn our attention to your word, we pray that you would speak clearly to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Question for you. How many of you clean your house before you have company over? How many of you clean your house exceptionally well if your mom or mother-in-law is coming? I'm going to guess probably just about everybody. I used to get a kick out of watching my mom scurry around for days before we had company in cleaning the house. And I used to think, you know what? What's the point? You're just going to do this again after they leave. And I used to tease my mom. Why don't you just wait till they're done? Because they're just going to mess it up again. But for many of us, not all, but for many of us, there is something that almost compels us to prepare for guests. The hope is that by doing all the cleaning and shopping on the front end, we will make our guests stay more comfortable and more relaxed. There's nothing we need to do except enjoy one another's company. Now that I'm older, I understand such things. So I guess I'm sorry, Mom. Uh, In biblical times, if a king was going to travel and make a guest appearance someplace. Extensive preparations were made. The roads were improved. Potholes were filled. The mounds were leveled. The bends in the road were straightened where threats might lurk. Any trees down across the road were cleared, all to make the king's journey as quick and as trouble-free as possible. When the king traveled, He was to encounter no obstacles, no detours, and no construction, which means he would not travel through Youngwood, Pennsylvania right now. Uh, Just saying. I know you're thinking it. I'm just saying it. Luke, in his gospel, quotes Isaiah chapter 40 and uses this picture of a king's traveling and making preparations to describe what's needed For the coming Messiah. Look at Luke 3, 3 through 6. Luke says, Then John went from place to place on both sides of the Jordan, preaching that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. Isaiah had spoken of John when he said, He is a voice shouting in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. The valleys will be filled. The mountains and hills made level. The curves will be straightened and the rough places made smooth. And then all people will see the salvation sent from God. The people of Israel understood that one day would come a voice shouting from the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord's Messiah. Luke tells us that Isaiah was referring to John the Baptist. 
John was the prophet sent to make preparations for our Lord. But the Messiah didn't need road crews to aid his coming. Youngwood would not have posed a problem for Jesus. Neither did the crowds of Bethlehem on the night that he was born. John was sent to call people to prepare their hearts and their lives for the coming king. That, my friends, will preach. I'm starting an Advent series this morning that I'm calling Advent 2020, like the iChart 2020. I want us to see clearly this Advent that as we prepare to celebrate the coming Messiah, it's not about the physical preparations. I'm not saying don't decorate. I'm not saying don't clean your house or put up the tree as you anticipate the Savior's birth. I'm challenging all of us to not forget amidst all the other preparations to prepare our hearts and our lives for the coming king. The Israelites in John's day didn't fully understand that this time of preparation and repentance was for them too as Jews. They thought that God was sending the Messiah to save them. In the past, when God sent them a savior, like from the Egyptians, he did so because they were his people. And God heard their cry. They were still God's people. Why wouldn't he hear their cry and save them from the Romans? They expected, again, maybe to see signs and wonders and maybe even plagues. But they didn't need to prepare for a journey like they did when they were in Egypt because they were already in the promised land. The Romans just needed to leave because the Romans weren't children of Abraham. But look at what John says in Luke's gospel. This is verses 8 and 9 of Luke chapter 3. Prove by the way that you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, we're safe, for we are descendants of Abraham. That means nothing. For I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Even now, the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. This statement that John makes would have been a total shock to every Israelite hearing these words. They would have thought, what do you mean being a child of Abraham means nothing? We are God's special people. That has always meant something. Not only was this a shock, but the Savior is proclaimed to be not just for Israel. This time of preparation was seen to be a time for all people to prepare for a Savior that would be for all people. You remember what the angel said to the shepherds in Luke chapter 2, verse 10? But the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. 
I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. John the Baptist even calls the religious elite, the most respected among them, who interpreted the word of God for the people, a brood of snakes and a wicked people. He calls them to repentance as well. He says to everyone, the axe is ready to sever the roots of the tree. And everyone would have understood that God meant that God was willing to sever their covenant relationship. That being a child of Abraham wasn't enough. Everyone Everyone panics that heard John's words. And in Luke 3.10, they ask, what should we do? The prophet just said that our heavenly father, the one who called us his special people, is ready and willing to cut us out of his will. Tell us, what should we do? So with the rest of our time this morning, I want us to see clearly Advent 2020, John's answer to how everyone should prepare for the Messiah. The first group that asks this question is the crowds. The, the full verse of Luke 3.10 says this, the crowds asked, what should we do? And when I think that the crowds want, that they're, what they're asking They think God wants some symbolic action to show that they have been set apart and are worthy to be saved. Remember, this is a people that role-played the Passover from the last time that they were saved every single year. The last time God saved them when they were in Egypt, God had them kill a lamb. He had them eat unleavened bread. He had them put blood over the doorposts. The crowds are asking, what does God want us to do this time? To set us apart so that the Spirit of God will save us. This is John's response in chapter 3, 11. John replied, if you have two shirts... Give one to the poor. If you have food, share it with those who are hungry. Every Jew there in in earshot of John would have thought, what? No sacrifice? No blood? No epic journey into the desert? Ladies, this is sort of like when you say to the man in your life, you know what, I wish you showed me you loved me more. In response to that statement, a guy will often take you out to eat, buy you a gift, and then do nothing for the next six months. But guys, what, what she really is talking about is helping put the kids to bed at night and picking up your clothes off the bedroom floor. It, she meant putting the seat down. <laughs> she meant having coffee together instead of running out the door all the time. A a woman wants to know that our hearts are in it all the time. It's often those small things on a regular basis. So that's your marriage tip for the week. 
Focus on the little things that show your heart's love for your spouse. Whatever the crowds were thinking that God would want them to do to show that they were worthy to be saved, it wasn't as simple as what John told them. I am sure someone in that crowd thought, that's it? God is ready to cut me out of his will and all he wants me to do is give somebody a shirt and some food? The answer is yes, it's that simple, but not exactly. God wants us to be generous, but what he really wants is for us to share his heart and share his love with other people. The real question is, do you love one another? Because God loved us so much that he sent his son. The second group that asked this question is surprisingly the tax collectors. Look at Luke 3, 12 through 13. Even corrupt tax collectors came to be baptized and asked, teacher, what should we do? He replied, collect no more taxes than the government requires. Tax collectors had a reason (laughs) to be nervous. They knew they were doing wrong. Luke tells us they were corrupt. John knew they were corrupt. The tax collectors probably tossed and turned every night, fearing what God would do to them in the judgment. Every Jew hearing a tax collector ask, what should I do, would have been shocked at what John said. And here's why. Everyone would have expected John to tell the tax collectors to quit their jobs. They were working for the group that should be run out of the promised land. Every Jew would have been taken back That John didn't tell them to quit and start a revolt. John's not telling the tax collectors to quit contains a valuable lesson for today. God cares about your character more than what you do for a job. I love the fact that John totally sidestepped the politics and the tension of the day, and who should be in power and who shouldn't be in power, he simply said, you know what? Do your job with integrity. I think that'll preach today too, don't you? God is still more concerned about who we are as people and whether or not we model and share his character and his love He doesn't care who's in power or what side of the political fence you are on. As the King James Version says, God is not a respecter of persons, but God is a lover of people. So our heart, our convictions should line up with his. That's good news. Because no matter what you do, you can live a life that is pleasing to God. Within reason, right? I mean, if you're a member of the Italian mafia and you break legs for a living, that's probably not acceptable for God. People, titles, 
we judge those things and assign worth to someone based on what they do. That's not how God sees. He sees our hearts. Thanks be to God. The third group of people that come to John and ask, what should we do, are the soldiers. Look at Luke 3.14. What should we do, asked some soldiers. John replied, don't exhort money or make false accusations and be content with your pay. Here again, every Jew would have been shocked that John didn't tell the soldiers to quit their jobs because they, like the tax collectors, were instruments of the Roman Empire. But in, case, in the case of the soldiers, John says to them, you need to model God's justice and integrity and be content with your pay. I want us to see this morning that God wasn't after big displays or gifts or sacrifices or, or even changes in jobs. Occasionally, I, I talk to a high school junior or a senior that's really trying to figure out what God wants to do through them in their life. They sometimes are asking the question from Luke chapter 3. What should I do? What does God want me to do with my life? Even men who are hitting that midlife crisis age ponder, what should I do? Do I want to do what I'm doing for the rest of my life? Does God have a different plan for me in this next season? Moms often struggle when they have children. What should I do? Should, should, I, should I go back to work? Should I stay home? I'm not saying that God doesn't care or that God doesn't call people to specific careers or changes or redirect your life at times because he does. But I think one of the takeaways from Luke chapter 3 is that God can use you right where you are. If you love people, do your job with integrity and are content. Stay-at-home moms, working moms, guys in the grind, students going off to college. I think high school juniors and seniors, if, I, if you're in that spot where you're wrestling, what does God want me to do with my life? I would say, you know what? If God hasn't placed a specific vocational calling on your life, God is leaving the choice up to you. I know that doesn't help you decide what school to pick or what job you want to go for, but I think it does help that God's pleased with who you are as a person. And he's fine with you choosing as long as you do your job with integrity. You work as if working to the Lord and you love people. So take a deep breath and trust that God's plans for you, the big plans, are good. And believe that as long as you are aiming at pleasing him, your choices will not be outside of God's will for your life. So this Advent season, let's prepare our hearts and lives together. Let's show in the way that we live and love 
that we are ready to receive our King. This Advent, let's take the steps that John told the people they needed to take to prepare for the Messiah. Share with someone in need. Focus on living with integrity. Be content. Love one another as God has loved us. Church, welcome to Advent 2020. Let's pray. God, as we approach this Advent season, we're busy shopping and preparing our homes and decorating, and God, all that draws our attention to you if we let it. But in the stillness of those moments, God, when the, when the lights are out and the tree is lit, I pray that you would speak to us as your church. Speak to us of your love for us while we were sinners and our need to love and take care of one another. God, the poor, the needy, those who just need a, a smile or a hand on a shoulder and a word of prayer. God, use us as your church to show your love. Even though we're not in the building this week, God, you're still helping our church grow towards 651. Not 651 people on site here this morning, but God, every person here is going to reach one, touch one, show your love to one, so that the news that your son was born to be with us because of your great love is the reason for this season. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the New Stanton Church podcast. We'd love to connect with you. So visit our website at newstantonchurch.com. Follow the Get Involved tab and RSVP to our next meet and greet.